Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. We are in this series uh, called Battle. And each year we begin, uh, each calendar year, with a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the idea there is to give our first and our best to God. So in the same way that you'll give your first day of the week to God or the first 10% to God, we want to give the first and our best to God by praying and fasting for 21 days at the beginning of the year. And so we've begun each year uh, with a series that correlated, connected with prayer uh, or prayer and fasting. And so this series, we decided to go through Ephesians chapter six, which is the famous text about the armor of God. And so we've been taking uh, each week and just taking one of, the, one of the pieces of armor and talking about it. And so belt of truth, shield of faith, shoes of peace, etc. And we're gonna conclude that series today. Uh, and we're gonna talk at the end, Paul talks about prayer. And so uh, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna read this text and then I'm gonna pray. And then we're gonna talk about it. So if you've got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter six, we'll go here, we'll conclude this today. Um, Finally, verse 18, be strong. So there's the command, be strong. It's a command. Don't be weak. Don't take this where it's optional to be weak in this area. Be strong in this area. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Interesting. In his might, put on the whole armor. So not some, all. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand. I want you to stand. And that's really what Paul's aiming at here. So it's not so much that you can break down these different pieces. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to win. The whole point is victory against the enemy so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, as a result of that, take out the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand. There's that same idea again, stand, stand, withstand, be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Then he says, stand again, verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the, the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's where we stopped last week. I wanna keep going this week on verse 18, praying. So it doesn't even end there like, some commentators will say, hey, it's kind of done there. That armor of God text is done right there. I'm going to press against that and say, no, I, I see a comma. I think that it's one whole idea because he goes right into praying. So it, last week, we talked about living on offense with the word of God. And I think you could say living on offense with prayer here. Look at this. Praying at all times. He gives us four alls here. Look at this. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all pe perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then he brings it back to himself and says, and also for me. I love that. He's like, if you're going to pray, pray for me, brother. Pray for me. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, real quick, I want you to see 
specifically the language of brothers and sisters that Eugene Peterson says in the paraphrase here. I'm going to get, read the paraphrase, which is of the message, because I want you to see, sometimes when I hear pray for all the saints with all perseverance, sometimes it's easy to just kind of not picture your present tense life. But I just want you to hear the way that Eugene Peterson puts it. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. So it's this critical piece in your battle. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. I'm gonna talk about that today. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Radiant language, join a small group. No, just kidding. And don't, just kidding, haha, <laughs> a little laugh, okay. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Telling the mystery to one and all the message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. Father, we love you today. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to have victory, to stand. We pray that no scheme of the enemy would be able to get past the line and enter into our world. We want to not just stand. We wanna be on offense. We wanna be people that swing the sword of the spirit. We wanna be people that pray much. And God, I ask for every man and woman, every young man and young woman, every older man and older woman, that all of us would walk as people of prayer. May we not pass it off to someone else, somebody else's small group, some other part of the church. No, may it mark each one of us. We honor you and we love you. And ready to church, say amen. amen. So when uh, my son Dawson turned 10 years old, I was living in Colorado and his grandparents lived here in Kansas City and I thought it would be great to take him to a Royals game for his 10th birthday. And on his 10th birthday, like the actual day, uh, they were playing. There was a, a game on actually June 27th. So I had everything planned. The flights were right. Uh, I had to where we were going to have uh, his cousin and some friends and, and I had for him Royals gear. I had the whole day set, father, son, let's go to the game. So we got all dressed up. We were in Kansas City. We were ready for the game. The rain came down and boom, we found ourselves not at the game that we were dressed up for, but sitting at Steak and Shake, raining, game canceled, pain. Ah, dressed up for nothing, dressed up, but we didn't get to do what we came out for. Like we didn't participate in it. I love the battle uh, movie where William Wallace is about to go to battle. And then he says, I'm going to go pick a fight. And his friend painted in blue face goes, well, I guess we didn't get dressed up for nothing. You know, it's my favorite line in that. Cause it's saying, Hey, we got all dressed up. We're ready for a battle. And there is going to be a battle. And I just want to encourage you We've spent quite a few weeks talking about putting on the full armor of God, getting dressed spiritually. It's, it's supernatural language about putting on what God has for us. And so it's voluntary in the sense that it's available to you. And then you decide that you're going to put it on. And I think when I read Ephesians 6, I see that idea. I see Paul now giving an action item of prayer. Like you could argue that the book of Ephesians, he trains them, he teaches them how to pray. We find apostolic prayers where he's actually giving an example of what it looks like to pray. And at the end, he gives this action item. All right, you've got the shield, you've got the right shoes. You've, I've, I've told you how to put it all on. Now get to work, go to battle. You didn't get dressed up for nothing. Do what you came for. Don't sit at stake and shake. Don't pull back. There's a battle to win. 
And my dream is as we go into 2020, and we've spent time praying and fasting, and we've spent time putting on the armor of God, that you would now look at even this next semester and say, I'm going into battle. Like I didn't get dressed up for nothing. Like God has something for me in terms of truth, in terms of peace, in terms of faith, in terms of God wants me to be at work. And when you read this, you find prayer as this this main thing that Paul's calling them to. And I say main thing because I think when it comes to prayer, it's easy for us to think as prayer as a side thing or maybe as ceremonial. Like if you're in a culture where sometimes you pray before a meal or maybe you pray before bedtime, Maybe you can think of it as this appetizer part of your life instead of a main course. Or maybe you think of it more as like something when I am in trouble, then I just pull prayer out of the back seat. Kind of like uh, if, if you were to have uh, an extra tire, you're like, hey, I need a spare tire in the back. And I don't normally pray. I don't normally use that tire. But hey, if I, if I get a flat tire, then I'll use it. And some people think of prayer that way. Hey, when I'm in trouble, when in doubt, when, when nothing else works, when it seems like I, I have everything, I've spent everything else, then I'll pray. But I would see Paul here coming in Ephesians 6, and it's not a side item. It's not an appetizer. It's not just this, pull this out when, it, it, when in trouble. It's this... No, I want to give you guys a vision to pray. And he uses these big, this big language like pray for all the saints, all perseverance, all times. I mean, he's using big language of prayer. And I want to invite you to thinking, to think about in your life, what would it look like for prayer not to be a side, side thing, but for it to be active in your life? John Wesley said, prayer is where the action is. Imagine seeing your life where prayer is where the action is. Of course, we live in a culture that says, no, recreation is where the action is. Entertainment's where the action is. Feasting is where the action is. Looking good is where the action is. Imagine reframing your life to taking what Paul says here and he's giving them the challenge, go pray. I mean, pray, pray. He says, pray for all the saints. Pray with all perseverance. Pray at all times. What it looks like to jump into the privilege of prayer, not just like somebody else's, oh yeah, that's what that small group does. I'm gonna say something that's offensive, but sometimes we think that's what the weird people do. <laughs> oh yeah, that's for the strange ones. That's for the people that are a little bit off. I wanna invite you to just ask God what he would say to you about what prayer looks like to be active in your life, to where it's an action, not a side thing. And my dream is that we would, we would dress up and go into battle, that your 2020 would look like a battle. And he says here with perseverance, let's just talk about perseverance for a minute. Because this idea to that end, keep alert with perseverance, this, the, the enemy wants to do anything he can to keep you from persevering in communicating, talking to God, right? If you look at any kind of battle, if, if you can get the, those who are in charge to no longer have communication with people under them, then all of a sudden you've got the potential for victory. If you, if you can have communication breakdown and the enemy wants to do whatever he can to try to get you to stop talking to God. Let's just, in whatever way possible, and you can kind of figure it out in your mind, like, all right, things didn't turn out like I wanted. I'm gonna justify it in a certain kind of way. I'm gonna have somebody else do it. But... But if the enemy can get you just to stop talking and like stop persevering, stop praying, 
I'm hurt, I'm mad, I'm offended, I was taught wrong, I read a book, I, I, someone else prays better than me, any kind of way. Then the enemy goes, ha ha, got him. And so what does it look like for you to say, no, there's gonna be no victory for the enemy. I'm gonna be a, pers- a person that perseveres in prayer. I, um, I've told you before, I, I spent uh, 16 years uh, in ministry in Colorado and I worked a lot with teenagers and young adults and one time, uh, I took 97 teenagers through Browns Canyon uh, down the Arkansas River. <laughs> Pray for me. Worked out well. And uh, I'll never forget uh, the guide saying, hey, uh, as we go through the rapids, whenever we hit a rapid, that's the moment where you paddle harder. That's the moment where you don't stop paddling. Don't quit. And so I had a raft and the, there was a kid in my boat who was junior high from the East Coast. And that kid, as soon as we hit a rapid, this is no exaggeration, true story. The guide says, he starts yelling at us to to row, go, go, go. And this kid looked at the rapid, freaked out and jumped out of the boat. Yeah. And I'm not gonna repeat in church what the guide screamed, but he was mad. He's yelling at this kid and this kid just starts swimming to the side. And of course, the kid was in more trouble now, you know. Then we started to spin and we dump trucked, right? And so then I was thinking about that kid. Why? I mean, you know, same thing. Like, because what happened? Man, when the the rapid came along, that kid did not follow orders. The order was, hey, when you hit the rapid, that's the moment to paddle harder, persevere, don't quit. But he's like, as soon as this gets hard, I'm out. And many of us do that with prayer. You've got from Paul, from Jesus. Think about the way that Jesus talks, Luke 18, one. He tells them this story that they would always pray and not give up or always pray and not quit. That's what Luke 18, one says. The motivation of the story is that they would always pray and not give up, which inherent underneath that is there's the possibility that you might wanna quit, that you might wanna give up. There's a temptation to quit, to cease, to stop, to get offended, to have a reason why. Prayer's not your thing. Prayer's for somebody else. Prayer didn't turn out like I had hoped. And so many of you, as soon as we face the rapid, man, you gave your life to Jesus at 16. And then when the marriage hits the crisis, instead of pray harder, you go, ah, circumstance, this is, I'm out. Dump truck, I'm going And instead of just going, no, this is the moment to persevere. This is the moment to dig in, pray harder, don't quit. We're offended, we're mad, and we stop doing the very thing that we need to get through the rapid. We just just go, I'm I'm upset, I'm offended, I'm, I'm mad. But Jesus says, Matthew 7, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. To him who seeks and him who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. I just want you to get that because I want you to see that word everyone. So that includes you. You're a part of everyone. Hmm, Imagine that. You're a part of everyone. So there will be a day where Revelation 19 says that you'll stand before God and you'll go, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. That means praise God. The one who is all powerful, knows all things. Hey, you were true. You were faithful. Well, your, your word was right. You were all powerful. You, every prayer I prayed didn't make a difference. Ay, 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 you are awesome. Ha, ha, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Like that's what we will declare. You're not gonna be like, ah, you didn't do human history well, God. 
man, you messed it up. No, just read Revelation and the reply out of you will be, wow, you are awesome. You are magnificent. You are God. And when he says that your prayers make a difference, your prayers matter, you won't have the thought. No, they weren't. You'll be like, God, you were working the whole time. He'll be like, yeah, I'm bigger than you. Ah, God, you're smarter than me. He's like, yes, that's right. God, you're more powerful. Yes. God, I never, I, I can't. <gasps> you are awesome. Wow. You used every prayer. Yeah. Every prayer made a difference. Yeah. Every prayer mattered. Do you remember I told you that? Yeah. Well, I got, uh, <gasps> Hallelujah. that's what's going to be going on. It will not be, I knew it. Prayer didn't mean anything. No, it'll be, oh, if I could have seen then what I can see now. And he'll say, I told you to pray like a child in faith. Ask, seek, knock, believe, persevere. Don't quit. And I want to invite you in 2020 not to quit. Don't stop praying. Your teenager that's driving you nuts, the financial challenge, Whatever's going on at work, this is your moment in the rapid. I'm going to press on. I'm going to persevere. And that's the way that Paul talks here. He's looking at the church in Ephesus and he's saying, don't quit. Keep on praying. In all perseverance, don't stop. And then I, I just, I love the language here where he talks about pray for all the brothers and sisters. Pray for all the saints. And I want to invite you to this year, engage in you praying for other people. So like one of the things that uh, is amazing about small groups is that we ask every small group leader to pray for every person in their small group every day. So um, just imagine if you had the invitation to be a part of a group where the leader prayed for you every day. What's up now? That'd be good, right? That'd be a great opportunity. But I wanna invite you, not just in terms of context of a, of a small group, but in your own life, what would it look like if praying for the saints was a part of your life? Not just theory, not just something that you learned when you were in high school. No, if actually you could verbalize people that you pray for. Like if this statement, pray for all the saints, or the message says, pray for the brothers and sisters. What happens if praying for people was a part of your life? And Paul embodied these prayers. Like even when we read this, this letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 1, he actually puts his prayer in there. So he's living this out. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he says, I keep asking. So there's this present tense. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And he hits prayer again. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Then he does it again in Ephesians 3. Here's his prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from which every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how, high, how wide, how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So here we got two examples. First one is Ephesians 1, 16, 17, 18. And then we've got the second one, Ephesians 3. And he says, for this reason, I, and he gives the language of, I, I kneel before my father. I'm just inviting you to ask the Holy Spirit what it looks like for you to have praying for other people be such a part of your life that even the imagery of Paul kneeling could be in your life. 
that level of hunger. God, I'm desperate. God, I'm asking. I want your will to be done. I'm asking for the saints. I'm asking for my marriage. I'm asking for my children. I'm asking for my parents. I'm asking for my school. I'm asking, but having people, maybe even people that are far from God, and there is a real sense of you praying for people, like what happens in a church where it's not just theory ceremonial, but what happens in a church where we've each got three people. We've each got two, four, five and we've got people on a list where we're actually praying. You've got them in your iPhone and you're in the same way that Paul's praying, you're praying, I keep asking. I'm just inviting you to kind of imagine. Imagine the community that develops, the relationships that develop when you're actually praying. You start to get God's heart. I, I wanna contend that this is all up in Paul. Like Paul loves people. This idea of praying for people, this just kind of came out of him. When you look at Paul's life prior to Jesus versus once he steps in as this herald proclaimer of the gospel to the Gentile people, you, when you read his writings, Paul is all about brothers and sisters. Paul loves people. You can read it. I mean, he's looking at Timothy and he's calling my dearly beloved son in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy the way that he starts. Every time that we get to the end of one of his epistles, he starts naming people, greet this person with a holy kiss, give this person a hug. He's like, oh, I just love Epaphras. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. Greet Epaphroditus, uh, Tychicus, Eucalyptus. He just starts naming like all these people that he's like, pray for them. I love them. He's just filled with affection for them. And you can think about real people in his life that it's just overflowing with delight for people. I can imagine that he is just so elated about Ananias, right? Acts chapter nine, one, Acts chapter nine, where Ananias comes and prays for him. And suddenly Paul's, Saul goes from, I can't see to now I got a new name and I'm no longer blind. I can see. I guarantee you if Will Riddle prayed for me and I was blind and suddenly I could see, that'd be my best friend for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, thank God for him. Or if you think about Paul in his actual ministry life and he's going with Barnabas and they're going and they're starting this church in Antioch and they're ministering together and doing life, seeing the one of the most fruitful churches in the book of Acts. Whoo! He's got some love for Barnabas. He's got some delight in Barnabas. You, you, could, you could look at that when he suffers in Acts 16 with Silas, I mean, think about, just think about what it feels like to be beaten with rods, whipped, thrown in prison, worshiping and praying at midnight and boom, walls fall down, jailer gets saved, Ali Ali all set free. It's like, without a doubt, those people are not figurative. Put yourself in the text and Paul's just, uh, he what happens is when you start to pray for people, you get God's heart. When you enter into community, your relationship life does not get smaller, it gets bigger. You see, Christianity doesn't suffocate your friendships. Christianity creates an opportunity for you to have Christ-like relationships where your relational life gets stronger, better, and bigger. The community of faith is not the social crusher. No, community of faith, this is the opportunity where you're not just... See, we live in a culture where we use relationships to get what we want. So I'll use a friendship to accomplish my goal. A relationship is my means to my end, and my end is greater wealth, greater power, greater notoriety. And so I'll just hobnob, what's up? Use people to get my end game. That's, that's the culture, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is you are a brother, 
a sister, a saint. I pray for you. And when I pray for you, Philippians 1, I long, Paul said, I long for you uh, with the affections of Christ. And this is my prayer. So Jesus' love exists inside me. How did you get that? Verse nine, and this is my prayer that your love may abound. On your face in prayer is where God starts to download his love for people into your heart. And you start to care about them like God cares for them. I'm just telling you, step one, you start to pray for people. You, whether it's a small group or your marriage or your children or your friends or people at work, you just do what Paul says here in Ephesians 6 where you just start to pray. Pray for saints. Pray for brothers and sisters. You'll watch something rise up. You'll watch relationships. You go, you, you go to battle like, any, like a real battle. You know, like sometimes when we go to battle with brothers and we accomplish something cool, it's like, like, I, like I, I'm forever buds with some guys I've done ministry with. I'm forever buds with some guys I went to college with, right? You just like to call them out. You know, you've had some success together. We all heard Travis Kelsey this week. He had some success, right? And he couldn't help but at the parade just start calling out some people he had some victory with, some people he was in the trenches with, right? So he's like, Damian Williams. I just said that because he went to OU. All right, but he's calling out names, right? He's like, Remember that moment where he just can't help but just name, I mean, went some, some victory. Like, remember he said, 21 years, Andy Reid, you know, and he's just, he's so proud. Some of you are like, just checked out. Some of you just checked in for the first time. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's calling out some people he went to, went to battle with. I'm just telling you, Paul does that and it's worth eternal consequences. He's going, oh, I just love the, you don't believe me. Look at Romans Look at this. I read this one. He calls out 26 people in this text. 26. I don't have 26 friends, but Paul does. Look at this. Just bear with, look at this. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. All right. Now just, I'm going to go through it quick. Um, greet my dear friend Epenetus. Greet Mary. I got that one. Greet Andronicus and Junia. Greet Ampliatus. Greet Urbanus. Greet Apelles. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristobulus, and I skipped my dear friend Stachys. Um, greet, uh, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the house of Narcissus. <laughs> That'd be a funny sermon. Uh, <laughs> I bet Narcissus cares. All right. Um, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet my dear friend Persis. Greet Rufus. Greet Asyncritus. Philogron, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, greet Philogus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister. She doesn't get her name in there, poor girl. <laughs> 27, unnamed sister. And Olympus, all right? And the Lord's people who are with them and greet one another with a holy kiss. Listen to Paul. This is not like bear the burden of Christian fellowship. This is like, greet him, greet her, greet them all, greet narcissists, greet them all. I love all these people. Greet them with a holy kiss, Mwah, right? It's this, ah, I love them. You've been praying for the church in Rome. You hung out with the people in Rome. You're gonna, you're gonna care. Here's what I'm telling you. You'd be surprised entering into relationships. It's not gonna crush your, your, your social life. No, it's gonna open it up. It's gonna not, we're not talking about American networking. We're tra talking about Christian brotherhood where my end game is I pray for you. I want to see you 
accomplish the fullness of God on your life. I care authentically about you because Jesus is my example. And Jesus prayed, Jesus loved, Jesus served. That's very different than hobnobbing at the party, trying to see who you can talk to, but looking around people. I'm telling you there's a better way. I'm telling you Christian relationships bring life. And here's Paul, and he's looking at this Ephesians 6 church. He's going, ah, keep on praying all times. Persevere in prayer. Don't quit. Pray for the saints. You you start praying for saints. You start praying for brothers and sisters. You'll be surprised how in time you'll care about them more and yourself less. Right now, your life feels like, no, I care about my boat. I care about my retirement. I care about my life. I care about my... I kneel. For this reason, I kneel and I start to pray, God, I ask for my friend so-and-so to have spirit of wisdom and revelation, God. I keep asking and your affection, your love, you'll start to care for people instead of just caring for self. And the community of faith gets stronger. The community of faith starts to look more like Jesus. We start to lay our lives down like for each other. We start to look for opportunities. And then I just like where it ends here because then... Paul just adds this last one where he just goes, and pray also for me. This has got some grit, right? Like when you're writing, people are persecuting, being persecuted, and Paul comes in, a little audacity, where he goes, pray also for me. He's mobilizing prayer on his behalf. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I might fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. The only way that you ask other people to pray for you, not, if it's just ceremonial church talk, like, you know, like, pray for me, afterthought, religious, dead, won't happen. But if deep in your bones, you believe that when human beings voluntarily verbalize other human beings to God, that God actually is at work and that the enemy's schemes are thwarted and stopped and that, that the enemy doesn't get past, that God is at work when human beings pray. If you believe that prayer matters in your bones, if you believe ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, and you believe that God is at work when we, when we just say little prayers to God, then you'll go pray also for me. If you're going to spend your time praying, don't just give me some of that. Because deep down, you believe it matters. Deep down, you've got this conviction. This ain't ceremonial religious talk. This changes human history. My life is different based upon people praying for me. You get that in your bones and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, pray for me. Yeah, pray for me. And then you'll also have that same conviction. Reverse it. And you go, and I want to pray for you. And I know that when I pray for you, I can't see it all right now. No. Our lives are a mere breath, 70, 80, 90 years. But we are eternal beings. We will live forever. And there will be a day where you'll go, ah, that moment, those days of being faithful in prayer made a difference. So when you pray, you're laboring in the spiritual realm. And when you pray for somebody, I mean, if you could give someone financial means, you know, it would help them. 
If you help serve someone, you know it would help them. When you pray in faith, you're laboring in the spiritual realm. You're helping them. So I just want to invite you. I, I, I want you to just ask God, what are you inviting me to, Lord? What does it look like for me to be a man of prayer? What does it look like for me to be a woman of prayer? Someone who seeks God. What, every prayer makes a difference. Every time I pray, you're at work. Prayer's not the only thing, but it is the first thing. And so God, I want to kneel before you and know that your prayers make a difference. I'll just close with this. In 2009, uh, I got off an airplane in Los Angeles and was seated shotgun with a man who was in a small group with my dad when my dad was in seminary. And so my dad was in seminary in like the 1920s or so, or somewhere back there. And um, he had a small group. And there's a few guys that they're actually still best friends and they still do ministry together today. Um, 2009, he picked me up. I'll never forget the conversation as we're driving on the freeway system in Southern California where he looked at me and he started asking me questions about my life as if he knew about my life. And I'm as close to being a grown-up as I can be. I'm in my 30s, you know, and I've got three kids at the time and, and he knows all about me. And I'll just never forget the moment where he said to me, um, just, he, I, mean, I can feel, he just, he likes me uh, in, a, in a way that's like, and he doesn't feel normal. And he says, yeah, he says, I pray for you and your sisters every day. <laughs> Who are you, Jesus? What? Yeah, yeah, I've been praying for you every day since the triplets were born. I just looked up at him, thought, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a giant of a man. Just like, just look up at him spiritually, physically. It's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, <laughs> what? <laughs> ha! But I just, I couldn't believe. And, and, and not just, only heaven will show how much this guy's prayers made a difference in my life. But think about the connectivity of a small group from the early 1970s that still has them united today in their mid-70s. You know why? Jesus. You know what? A lot of things have changed. The cities have changed. The family dynamics have changed. But what unites us when you get Jesus, eternal mission, eternal purpose, you just, it's comrades to the end. It's relationships that make a difference. It's relationships that matter. And when you've warred together, when you've cried out together, and there are some of you in this room that you are in a place where you need some friends like that. And there's everyone in this room that needs to be a friend like that. God, make me a friend like that to somebody. If you want to have friends like that, be the friend like that. Just start. You can just start. Just pray. Just start to pray for them. Even if it's pre-small group, 
even if you're not to the small group step yet, just open up my heart. I'm telling you, this prayer thing, this is where the action is. This is not ethereal for the strange people that pray in the basement of the church and are weird. No. This is for everybody. Prayers for me. Prayers for you. Prayers for all of us. And it will far surpass uniting you with people than any other hobby, more than any other pursuit. Because it's what lasts forever. And it's supernatural. It's God at work. We just take a moment and would you just, between you and God, we just bow your head and we just say, God, Holy Spirit, we just bring to mind someone or a few people that I can pray for. Could be someone at the university where you serve as a professor. Could be a student at that university that you know. Could be at the school where you work. Could be a kid in the school. Could be another nurse or doctor or worker at the hospital where you're at. If you're in junior high, high school, college, it could be another student could be another server at the restaurant could be the barista that you see daily multiple times just who who's in your circle of influence we're not playing games this isn't just playing church this this is a battle real people now I'm going to lead you in a prayer we're going to turn this into a prayer meeting for just a moment Would you just say this prayer for those people? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would be at work in their lives. Would they take a step towards Christ? Strengthen them with might in their inner man. Do supernatural work in their life. I pray for them. And just like Paul said to pray, I pray. Have your way in their lives. Jesus' 